Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let all God's people say amen. amen. Hallelujah. That song means so much because we're living in a day and a time where people can only praise God for the things that he does for them. They can only praise God when they have $2.15 in their bank account. They can only praise God when all the bills are paid and everything is well with them. But is there anybody here this morning, your testimony is, I praise God not just for what he does, but I praise God for who he is. Just because he's God, I praise him. Give glory and honor and respect to the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that dwells in this place. We thank the Lord for your pastor on this morning. Hallelujah. Such a great woman of God. We honor the Lord for Reverend Dr. Betty Witherspoon on this morning. Will you clap those hands and appreciate God? I'm going to talk about your namesake today, Betty Hannah Witherspoon, amen. To Reverend Phillips, to all God's people, I count it a blessing and a privilege to stand before you once again. God is so good. Hosted a conference in Denver this weekend. I've been up since 2 o'clock our time this morning. Traveled all the way back. Got here, ran home and changed. Had to put gas in my car. <laughs> Should have thought about that before I left. Get on the freeway and that tire pressure light come on. I say, you know what? <laughs> We're going to have to make it in Jesus' name. But God is so good because as I was traveling this way, and I already had gotten the alert as soon as I turned my phone on on the plane, but there was an accident, a motorcycle accident on 160 going back home to L.A. And the young man is gone, but I thank God. And we thank God today for life. God is so good to us. Let's go immediately to 1 Samuel, the first chapter. We're going to read one verse there. 1 Samuel, the first chapter, and the 10th verse. If you have it, say amen. If you're still turning, say wait on me. If you don't have a Bible, I believe Brother Mark is going to help you out and display it on the screen for you today. The Bible says, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and then I shall read from the Old King James Version. The Bible says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. The Old King James Version reads like this, and she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. For the sound man, if you can give me a little more sound, I'd be appreciative to you today. Just look at somebody and say, neighbor, neighbor. Have, you have you prayed about it? There was a young man that once quoted, prayer may no longer be popular but it still works. That young man was me. 
We are living in a time where people and more specifically the people of God are moving away from prayer. Now we just uh, have gotten to a place where we think positive thoughts. We speak to the universe. We decree and declare. And some, oh God, have even resorted to chanting and meditations. As I was perusing downtown Denver yesterday, there was a man. Oh God, approached me, told me I look nice in my suit. Asked me where I got it from. I told him I don't remember. He said, have you ever considered meditating? I said, uh-huh, I see you, spirit. Uh-huh, we moved to a place of yoga and meditations and all kind of things. And even the church itself has moved from shut-ins and consecrations and prayer revivals and prayer meetings and oh God we've gotten to an era now where we're so caught up in uh, prophetic movements and musicals and life classes and conferences but sisters and brothers I understand and I can see how it is that the church is no longer attracted to prayer because we don't know how to pray we are people that will shy away from whatever it is that we are ignorant to. It's a shame to be in God and in the church for years at a time and to be taught how to worship, to be taught how to develop your call for the prophetic, to be taught how to develop, oh God, to be an armor bearer, be taught how to, oh God, work on the usher board and on the nurses unit or as a stewardess, but no one is teaching us how to seek God and to pray. We must first pray that God would restore and reestablish a platform and a place for the teachers in the body of Christ. Everybody wants to be an apostle. Everybody wants to be a prophet. Oh, God, it's so amazing. You meet people. Uh, you tell them your name. I'm, I'm Algernon. Who are you? I'm Bishop so-and-so. I'm Apostle so-and-so. You ask them where their church is. They can't even tell you because they don't got one. But everybody is chasing after titles and position, and they want prestige in the church. Everybody wants to be recognized in the church. Everybody wants to be known in the church. Oh, God, but we want power and prestige and titles in the church, but some of us don't even have power with God. We have to ask God to, to cause the teachers to arise again because, oh God, there's some of us that need to be taught. Oh God, we come to church, we give God our life, the preacher, our hand, but yet and still we know nothing. teacher would tell us that we cannot allow the enemy to rob us of our prayer life. Understand, sisters and brothers, we're dealing with a real devil. We're dealing with a full-time devil. Whether you're ready or not, whether you signed up for it or not, the enemy will attack you, especially if you are trying to live your life for Jesus Christ. Oh, God, to the best of your ability, you become a target, oh, God, from the enemy. And sisters and brothers, understand the devil don't fight fair. He don't play fair. He don't like you. He ain't your buddy. He is not your friend. He is not your acquaintance. But the enemy is out to kill, steal, and to destroy. He doesn't care how he does it. Oh God. He don't care how he does it. Some of us 
We don't pray and we condition our minds to think and believe that we cannot pray because we don't pray like a certain individual. Some of us, we don't bother to pray. And some of us allow the spirit of intimidation to fall upon us. And we don't even try to pray because, oh, God, I don't pray like Reverend Phillips. I, I, I don't pray like Dr. Witherspoon. And, oh, God, I, I guess I, I, I just can't pray. But sisters and brothers, can I tell you, when you pray, God does not want a regurgitated prayer. He doesn't want, oh, God, a prayer that somebody else prayed. But God wants, oh, God, genuine communication from your mouth, from your heart to his. How would you feel if you was in a relationship with somebody and they never talked to you? Some of y'all dating some deaf mutes right now. I can't hear nobody in here. How would you feel if you were in a relationship with somebody and they never talked to you? And when they did, oh God, they repeated, oh God, to you things that somebody else said. They go, oh God, they go on Google to find sweet stuff to say to you. I can't hear nobody in here. They use pickup lines that they got from somebody else on you. I can't hear nobody in here. Oh, God, which reminds me, oh, God, when I was growing up, my uncle was so crazy. Good God Almighty. We were sitting in the DNV one day, and this beautiful woman walked past us. He said, son, talking about that girl looks so good, I could kiss her mama and her daddy. I can't hear nobody in here. Sisters and brothers, can I tell you, oh, God, we have to be genuine with God. God wants to hear you. When you pray. Sisters and brothers, if we really knew and believed that we really need God. If we understood and knew and really believed in our heart that we need God. I'm going to say it again. If we knew, felt, and believed in our heart, if we knew deep down, as my pastor would say, deep down in our Noah, that we need God, oh, God, sisters and brothers, we would not shy away, oh, God, from praying. Praying would not be an issue. If you really understood and knew that you are nothing without God, if you really understood and knew that everything that you have, it's not because of who you are, but because of who he is, you would not shy away from prayer but you would open up your mouth every time you get a chance even if it's no more than to tell God thank you oh God you would open up your mouth and pray and cry out to God if you understood and see the times that we're living in, if you knew that we were in trouble, oh God, if God don't help us, if you see the times, you see that men are becoming lovers of their own selves. They love pleasures more than they love God. We, oh God, love the things that bring us gratification to our flesh, but we don't love the things of God. We're opening up our mouth and we're saying, Lord, Lord, but we won't do the things that the Lord tell us to do. Oh God, you would understand that we we need God. I'm not an old God. I didn't come here to make you talk to your neighbor. But you ought to just lean on your neighbor. Put a little weight on him and say, neighbor, we need God. Psalm 34, one of my favorite scriptures, most quoted scriptures. The Bible says Psalm 34 and 6, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. And the Lord delivered him out of all of his troubles. 
This poor man cried. The Lord heard him, and the Lord delivered him out of all of his troubles. Sisters and brothers, what are you trying to say? There are some things that you need God to do for you that you cannot do for yourself. Sisters and brothers, if you could have fixed it by now, it would have been done. If you could have worked it out by now, it would have been worked out. But there's some things in your life, oh God, that can't nobody do it, can't nobody fix it, but God. If you know what I'm saying is the truth, say, oh, God, amen. This man was not poor in the sense that he did not have materialistic possessions. But he was poor in spirit. He was poor, oh, God, in the sense that he did not possess the power to deliver himself. That's why he cried out to God. Understand, sisters and brothers, prayer has very little to do with trying to influence God to do what it is that we want him to do. But prayer has very much to do and everything to do with God trying to change us. I understand we want God to change the situation. But I heard God say the situation will not change until we do. Oh, good God Almighty. Some of you have gotten disheartened because folks been lying on you, been talking about you, been dragging your name through the mud, and you want God to fix it. You want God to change the situation. You want God to go after your enemies. But sisters and brothers, God allowed the situation to arise, not to change it, but to change you, to bring about a change in your life. Oh, God, some of us wouldn't know God like we do if we didn't have a little trouble and trials in our life. Some situations have been created and designed just by God to bring us to our knees. It brings us to a text as I rush and hurry to a close. In the book of 1 Samuel, we have an account of Eli, the high priest, and the wickedness of his sons. Also of Samuel, his character and actions. Then the advancement of Saul to be the king of Israel. His rejection and disobedience to God, and ultimately his death, which made a way for David's succession to the throne. However, it's in the first chapter of the book of 1 Samuel uh, that we are introduced to the pre-existing history of a young man by the name of Samuel. Somebody say Samuel. Samuel's history likens to that of Samson. John the Baptist, and Jesus Christ. Unlike most in Scripture, their first appearance in Scripture is in their full growth. These particular men are accounted for since before birth, which backs up that which was spoken of God in Jeremiah 1 and 5. He says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. Understand, sisters and brothers, and as I often say, please know and understand. And what that means, oh God, before your mama ever met your daddy, 
You existed in the mind of God. Not only did you exist in God's mind, but God had a plan for your life. Therefore, I don't care what nobody told you. They may have said you were a mistake. You may have said you were an accident. You may have been the child they weren't planning to have. You may have been a product of a one-night stand. Your mama may not remember who your daddy is, but oh God, before your mama hooked up with your daddy, God had a plan for your life. Sisters and brothers, what I find significant about the life of Samuel, unlike other great individuals such as Samson, who the scripture introduces to us as a child of promise. Samuel, on the other hand, is a child of prayer. I can hear the old song that they sing in the church I come from. Somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Is there anybody here today, you know that you're here today, you're surviving today, you're living today because somebody took the time and prayed for you. You ought to clap your hands and say, thank God for prayer. The Bible gives us the intelligence that Hannah, Samuel's mother, was married to a man named Elkanah who was a polygamist. Not only was he married to Hannah, but he had another wife by the name of Penina. Elkanah was the man to some. The Bible lets us know that Penina had children and Hannah had no children. So not only did Hannah have to share her man with another woman, but she was barren, which means she could not bring forth any children. She had to watch the other woman give her husband something that she could not. Could you imagine the pain? Oh, just bear with me for just five more minutes and I'll be out your way. Could you imagine the pain and the anguish that this woman must have felt? That Hannah must have felt going to the store and having to drop her head and look the other way when she bypassed the baby section. Going into the community and seeing and watching other women go around with their baby bumps. Coming into contact with people that she hadn't seen in a while and them asking, oh God, that old annoying question. Oh God, when are you and Elkanah going to have a baby? Not only that, but she had to live in a house with children who called her husband daddy. But nobody was calling her mommy. This woman lived a life of grief. Pain and sorrow. Many people in Bible times considered barrenness a curse from God. The Bible lets us know every year Elkanah went to Shiloh to worship and offer sacrifices to the Lord of hosts. During this particular sacrifice, the offerer 
receive back the greater portions of the offering. The Bible lets us know that Elkanah took the helpings from the sacrificial meal and he gave portions to all the members of his family. But the Bible says he gave Hannah a worthy portion. He gave her a larger portion, a generous portion. He gave her a double portion. Oh God, God has given me, oh God, a word to release in this house and to let somebody know, oh God, that you're getting ready to get compensated suffering. Oh God, God is going to pay you, oh God, for the thing that you've had to go through and endure. Oh God, the things you had to tolerate, oh God, and put up with. God is not just going to allow you to go through it, just to go through it at all, but God is going to compensate you during your suffering. The Bible lets us know, as I hurry to a close, that not only Hannah had this inability, not only did she suffer with infertility and barrenness, not only she had to watch this other woman give her husband what she could not, but the other woman was low down. Mm. The other woman was, oh God. Uh, oh God, aggravating. She was annoying because the Bible says that she would provoke Hannah. In other words, she would, oh God, make Hannah feel bad for the fact that she could not have children. She would rub it in her face. In other words, that she had children, but Hannah could not have children. Sisters and brothers, can I tell you, don't worry about, oh God, your enemies. Don't worry about the people, oh God, that's trying to make you feel bad for the things, oh God, that you cannot give life to. Because I want to let you know the Bible says to fret not yourself because of an evildoer. Even if, oh God, they're your family members. Even if they're living in your house. Even if they go to the same church that you do. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. For they shall soon be cut off. Oh God, the next time somebody lie on you or talk about you, instead of getting mad, you ought to just look at them and say, cut. The Bible says... And Hannah, listen to this, Hannah weeps and she does not eat. That was her initial response. She wept and she did not eat. I said that and I brought that up for some of us. When trouble comes our way, when trials come our way, some of us were so quick to get on Facebook, Pastor. We're so quick to call people on the telephone. We're, we're, we're so quick, oh God, to, oh God, uh, oh God, to talk about what we're going through. Some of us, every time somebody say something to us, they don't even got to be talking about what you're talking about, but they open up the door and you just start talking about what it is you're going through. Oh God, but instead, oh God, and if we ain't talking about it, we're crying and we're complaining. Woe is me. Why I got to go through this? Why not you? <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus suffered in the flesh and that we ought to arm ourselves likewise. But somewhere, there was a shift that took place in Hannah's life. Because she must have felt and knew and understood, mother, that, oh, God, her crying and our lack of eating wasn't going to move God. I know y'all don't like this little teaching. 
Yes, your tears matter to God. They matter in such a way that God says he will wipe away every tear from your eye. But it's not your tears, it's not your crying that moves God. Your prayer and your faith is what causes God to respond. Mm. Hannah began to pray and cry out to God. And she prayed in such a way that the priest thought she was drunk. When have you ever gotten so lost in God's presence that it appeared as if you were drunk? It appears as if you were a wild person. She prayed unto God and asked God and petitioned the Lord and promised God, if you bless me, I'll give him back to you. If you bless me, God, I'll give it back to you. God. God heard her prayer and answered her prayer. God touched and opened her womb and she gave birth to the man that we know as Samuel. Sisters and brothers, many would ask the question this morning, why did God close her womb? God did it the same reason why he does everything else. He did it for a purpose. It was a test of Hannah's faith. Sisters and brothers, some of us, we're here today, we're looking good, we're smiling, but our test, our faith is on trial. God is calling our faith to the forefront. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, don't trip. It's only a test. In my conclusion, I want to let someone know that you are entering into a season of manifestation. You are getting ready to birth the things that you've been praying for. You are getting ready to give birth to the things that you have been praying for. This is the season of answered prayer. You're getting ready to touch. You're getting ready to see. You're getting ready, oh God, to rub elbows with the things that you've been praying for. It's getting ready to become tangible in your life. And Father, I decree and declare that there shall be no more abortions. There shall be no more stillbirths. But God, I thank you that that which you have impregnated with, with through prayer and through prophecy. God, that it shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. And it is so and so it is. Right now in Jesus' name we pray and we thank you, God. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, clap your hands and give him glory. Come on, clap your hands and give him honor. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, we're not going to talk about it anymore. But we're going to pray about it.